What should you expect of yourself and others when the stuff hits the fan? Stick with us, and we'll help you figure that out. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. This is episode number 171. Today is Tuesday, March the 1st of 2022. And Tuesdays, for a while, has been and will be for a little while a Getting Started series. And what we're doing today is talking about managing expectations in SHTF. Now, expectations are a strong belief that something could or will happen in the future. It can also be a belief that someone will think or behave in ways we approve or require. So the question is, what should we expect from ourselves, our family, our friends, and others, as well as what should we expect of our preparations? Our sponsor today is the book, Practical Prepping for Everyday People, a common sense guide to life's normal emergencies. This book is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Okay, let's talk about managing expectations in a stuff-hits-the-fan situation. Well, the first thing we might think of is, what are our expectations for ourselves personally? Very good point. What do we expect of ourselves? Begin with our physical abilities. Yes. Are you in shape or are you not in shape? Round is a shape, isn't it? Well, everybody's in shape then, in some kind of shape. But, you know, most stuff-hit-the-fan situations are going to require physical action and largely more physical action than any of us are usually accustomed to. Oh, we will hurt in some places after that. If you're overweight and out of shape, you're not going to find it easy or pleasant to get through an SHTF situation. You're not going to be able to hike long distances if it's necessary. Especially if you're carrying a backpack of 40, 50, 60 pounds. True. Or even if you're carrying small children or who knows what your situation might be. Right. Now, there are a lot of 350-pound keyboard preppers with lots of gear, and they're going to be in danger of a heart attack before they get to use that gear. So resolve to get into shape. It's something you really want to put some time and attention to. And we'll admit we're a little bit overweight and we're a little bit out of shape. And as this weather breaks, we're going to begin our walking again. And, you know, it's hard to walk when it's 18 degrees out there. It's just hard to get the motivation up. And when it's, you know, dark at 4.30 and we don't get home till 5. And so, you know, I guess you could call it excuses. I call it reasons why (laughs) we've let it slide over the winter. It's been excuses on our part because, you know, there are places we could go. We actually have access to a gym that we can go to, and there's a dozen treadmills in there. And weights and things like that. Anything. It's the Sheriff's Department gym, so Mm -hmm. it's anything in there that you could want to work out with. And if we just wanted to walk, we could go to the mall. 
That's true. So there's, you know, it's excuses as to why we have slacked off during the winter. Well, we'll just resolve with our listeners that are also in the same boat that we're all going to do what it takes to improve our physical strength, our stamina, and our endurance. And feel free to hold us accountable. Send us an email in a month. See how we're doing. Feel free. We give you permission to hold us accountable on that. (laughs) Now, the next expectation that we're looking at, and this is where some people overestimate, is in our skills. Yes, you have skills, don't you? I hope I do. Have you practiced those skills? I've practiced with most of those skills. Now, there again, I'm being honest. There's some things in there. It's been quite a while since I've started a fire with a ferro rod. Mm. But I have started quite several with my lighter. Well, thanks to YouTube, you can actually practice from a video. And sometimes I think the visual aspect of training on how to start fires Mm -hmm. and how to use certain gear and water purification and the types of things that are necessary, YouTube has an almost limitless supply of videos for that. Yeah, you can learn all kinds of things. I mean, you want to learn snares, you want to learn trapping. YouTube is the place to go. There are experts there, and you can watch them, but don't stop at just watching. Go and practice what you have learned. And here's a couple of good examples. Well, I had mentioned the water purification. There's several ways to do that. The boiling of water, adding chemical to water or bleach, using a life straw or a Sawyer Mini. There's so many different ways to purify water. Also, making fire, gathering tinder, being able to strike a flame, being able to maintain that fire and do it safely. You know, you want to start a fire maybe out in the forest, but you don't want to burn the Blue Ridge down. Well, true, but... Most folks, at least our listeners, would have sense enough to scratch out a place on bare ground. Well, I'm glad that you said that, that most of our, most of our listeners, I'm going to say all of them. Our listeners would do that. Something else you need to practice, and that's how to make a shelter, either a debris shelter or carry a tarp or emergency blankets and some paracord, and practice making some crude but effective shelters. Which reminds me, we picked up this past weekend was the Alabama Tax-Free Holiday on Disaster Supplies and Readiness, and we picked up a couple of tarps, lightweight tarps, to carry in our get-home bags, and we can make a a shelter out of those if we need to. Now, I have to curl up because I'm a little bit long for it. I'll be sticking out some, but we do know how to make those. And, you know, that would be a good practice to get with the grandkids, get the grandsons involved in that, and let's Mm -hmm. go out here and build a shelter. Yeah, we might have to make a game out of it and have prizes at the end, but we'll have something for the kids too. Don't worry. Yeah, I know where that one was aimed. I know you, don't I? You, There's got to be. Yeah. You folks know too, don't you? All right. Let me talk to you about your mental health. Not you particularly, but we're talking to everyone. Mental health preparation is as vital as any other gear or, or merchandise or food or water you could put together. Here's a question. Are you mentally prepared for an unforeseen crisis? And that can be anything from a lady falling in your driveway at a yard sale and breaking her arm to major car wreck to a long-term SHTF. You know, assess yourself right now. How do you handle a high-stress situation? 
which is going to be the way it is in an SHTF, we, there's no way that any of us can be mentally prepared to glide seamlessly through everything that comes our way. But we have to have a pretty good handle on our own personal selves to be able to face the things that happen. And there's some things with that we can do with situations that we can imagine, and that is to visualize. When you're sitting alone sometime, just close your eyes and don't go to sleep, but close your eyes and visualize that particular situation and visualize how you would get through it. Now, I always enjoy watching the Olympic athletes, especially like the bobsled, and you'll see the driver up there and their heads bobbing back and forth as they visually, in their mind, go through that course. You know, I observed the figure skaters backstage. They were they jump and they twirl lightly because they're going through their routine, note for note of the music that they have attached a movement to, and so they're visualizing just like what you said. They're visualizing being out there on the ice and what it's going to take to propel them into their movement. So, preppers, visualize you have survived a, a EF four tornado, and you have emerged into a a war situation. I mean, everything is blown up. You've survived, thank God. But now you are seeing the the damage and the destruction. You've got to imagine yourself walking out of it or helping someone or hearing someone cry or, you know, you've got to begin to visualize what could you be expecting in a situation like that? Now, why is it so important that we visualize? Well, this is a technique that was learned from military because once you begin to visualize and put yourself in the situation and you practice that, eventually your mind cannot tell the difference between it being real or being just a practice run. And when you get there, your mind says, I've been here before. I know how to handle this. It kind of demystifies a certain amount of unknown. You can't know everything, but it certainly will keep you from being paralyzed with fear where, you know, you you just stand there and do nothing in shock. Your mind says, get up, get up, go, do. And so your mind is like, we've been through this before. You know what you need to do. Just the next right thing. Okay. So we're looking at handling high stress situations. Now, the next question here is, can you make decisions on the fly? Yes, because some situations give you very little time to act, very little. So you need to practice being able to make important, smart decisions in a very quick amount of time. Yeah, sometimes you can't wait, but see, the other side of that coin is some folks freeze up. And that's where visualization comes in, is that you've already made that decision a hundred times in your mind. You know, what if you're in a situation where you don't have all of the information? You go with what you have. So you just have to figure out quickly what would be the best choice. Well, there may not be a right answer. No, there but may there may not be a right choice. Well, true, true. And there might be a, a dozen really, really bad choices, but you've got to either pick the least bad or the best you can make given the information you have in exactly. front of you. Exactly. So it's just learn to make decisions. If you are one that becomes over analytical, you need to get out of that habit. 
You know, right. we can have paralysis by analysis, mm. and an SHTF situation is not the time to do that. Here's another aspect that came up on a, a prior podcast that I did for the ladies. Can you deal with isolation? If I have coffee, I can deal with just about anything. Well, of course. I wonder that. But, but, you know, COVID lockdowns brought it to the forefront that several people found themselves in isolation Mm -hmm. or very, very limited contact or contact with maybe in a nursing home situation with their medical staff and their nursing home staff, but they didn't have any and weren't permitted. Social interaction. And we went through this, you know, with our family. We, we did. And even when we had COVID ourselves, thankfully we had it at the same time and it was mild, but we were quarantined together. Yes. And, and so we had yeah. that normal social interaction between the two of us. Mm-hmm. But I'm hearing things from other folks about what they went through when they were locked down and what they went through mentally. And we're beginning to see the repercussions of some of this with children. Right. Their levels of depression and anxiety that have been diagnosed have obviously gone up. Now, Fortunately, we live in a nation where there's a tremendous amount of resources and help for people to get through that. And and it doesn't matter how old you are, how mature you are, how spiritually close you are to God or whatever the situation. You're a human being and you can fall vulnerable to anxiety and depression. These are physical ailments. And there's nothing wrong with reaching out for help. And we would encourage you to reach out for help. Each week, I deal with folks who did not reach out and who are at a critical situation. And we're seeing some really serious repercussions of this isolation with people. So find a way to deal with that. And don't be afraid to reach out and talk with someone. Contact us if you need to. We'll be glad to set up a time to talk with you. Whatever we can do to help, we'll be glad to do that. And if you're prepping for SHTF situations and you're looking at this isolation situation, you need to have some stress-relieving activities. We can't sit on high stress 24-7. And just sit there and do nothing. We, we cannot right. do it. It will tear you apart. And, you know, we can take high stress in short durations, but there has to be some downtime in there. And some of you are saying, well, there may not be any downtime or much downtime in SHTF. Well, that's a valid point. There may not be. But there may be some times that you can do some reading. If you've got other folks with you, have some playing cards. Take your buddy's money. Uh, (laughs) Have some board games if you've got your family there. Even we were looking at these the other day, and and they were very, very popular some time back, and they're coming back around, and that's adult coloring book. Yes, that was all the rage about 10 years ago, and then it it actually has moved into puzzles now. Uh, The sale and availability of puzzles is out the roof at this point. So, yes, those coloring books and puzzles, maybe art, maybe, maybe you've got a desire to paint or draw, find some kind of an enrichment activity. Something that relaxes you. Something that relaxes you, maybe takes your mind off some of the stress or maybe helps you cope with the stress. I know that some people that are in mental health rehabilitation actually do art projects that they display. 
mm-hmm. their their rage, their anger, their fear, their loneliness. And in a way, it's somewhat cathartic because now that they've kind of excised it out and looked at it, they begin to heal and they begin to sense that, oh, I do have hope. It's going to be okay. But while you're going through this, you need some way to be relaxed at times, to let your body recoup a little bit, let your mind recoup. And if we're in a community-type situation, you know, we're taking turns. Somebody else is taking this watch, we're taking another watch, and it gives us a little bit of downtime. Now, for us, it would be books. We can go anywhere we want to go in any time period we want to go with a book. Oh, I love a book. And I mean, I'm I like a old-fashioned book with the covers and I also like the Kindle. I, if I can read it, I'm going to read it. I love to read. And it. to illustrate it between the two of us, I think we've bought 12 books in the last 5 days, something like that. Easily. Yeah. Yes, easily. So that's it. you know, we go to one of these um not counting the thousand plus books we've already got on the shelf. No, just what we bought yeah. in the last five days. <laughs> oh, sure. Over yeah. a dozen. And we do love to read. And some of those are easy reading and some of them are pretty deep. So, mm-hmm. But that's a relaxing thing for us. Okay, let's move on. What about managing our expectations of our family and our friends? Well, that will cause you to ask, how are your relationships? If you've got strained relationships with family and friends... An unforeseen crisis is only going to make that worse. If you'll be with them, you need to work on those relationships. The relationships can get strained between two good friends in a great situation when they're in these high-stress situations. Mm -hmm. I've been in that with some friends when we were doing disaster relief. And, you know, tempers get short. You're tired. You're stressed. You're mentally worn out. And we just need to find a way to work on those. But now here's a good question to ask yourself. Are your family members or any particular family member one that you can count on? Well, and with friends, too, I would add that in there, too. You know, I think we can all in our heart make a a mental list right now. uh, And it's two sides. The ones that I know will have my back. 24-7, 24-7, I can call them and they would never complain. And then there's a list of names of, yeah, just, I love them. You know, it's kind of the old joke is, you know, I'll cry out their funeral, but I don't want to go on vacation with them. Right. Now, you kind of break it down like this. There are those friends that you can call to go by and put your garbage out or pick your mail up. And there's other friends that you can call in the middle of the night to help you move a body. Oh. <laughs> now our listeners are going to start asking a lot of questions. I didn't say anything about my friends, <laughs> although I do have a few friends that I could pick up the phone and whatever I needed. And that's just kind of always been the joke. You know, mm-hmm. a real friend is one that'll help you move the body. And a great friend is one that'll help you move the body and not ask questions. Oh, I thought the great friend was the one that always had bail money. Well, that's a good friend, that's too. That's a good friend. We are really... we. I don't know where we, you You took a left somewhere. I did, and you did it. Okay. Let's go back to. I can count on you, you know, for this kind of stuff. You can count on me to take a wrong turn, go down a rabbit trail. Well, back to what we're talking about. Okay. So who can you count on? So now let's look at this. You going to flip it on me? No. What's your family's expectation of you? Well, that's what I'm saying. That's the flip. Okay. Who can I count on and who can count on me? Well, I'm looking more at who's going to be expecting you to provide for them. 
Oh, is that a part of your plan? How many times have folks said, well, if something happens, I'm coming to your house? You know, people do say that. Mm-hmm. You know, we had an interview uh, last week with Rhonda, and she said her sister said, you know, we're, we're going to show up at the farm. the farm. And she's like, hmm, I hope you're bringing your food and your water. <laughs> well, no, that's fine if that's part of your plan. Yeah. You know, if you're planning for the family or extended family, but I kind of like what the one lady said, that her grandchildren will eat. She's prepared for her grandchildren. Okay. But her children had better bring food. Oh, I see how that works. So she was anticipating them, and best response I've heard to that, I'm coming to your house, other than just flat, no, you're not, (laughs) is, okay, we'll make plans for that. Go ahead and give me $1,000 right now. And I'll buy the things that you will need when you get there. Okay. All right. I and mean, that's that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I, I suppose. you got to put something in ahead of time before something's mm-hmm. going to come out. Well, speaking of preparations, we got to think about your prepping efforts. So how prepared are you? Well, that's something that we need to manage. We need to question our own preps. See, some folks prep heavy on firearms and ammo. They might have 20 guns and 20,000 rounds of ammo, but food to last for less than a week. Yeah, because perhaps they were a little bit narrowly focused in the wrong direction on what was absolutely necessary Mm -hmm. to begin with. And, you know, we have an episode somewhere back down the line on balanced prepping. We need to balance our prepping. It doesn't need to be all food and water. It doesn't need to be all gear. And it's definitely not all guns and ammo. Because guns and ammo you can't eat during a snow crisis. You know, that's true. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people have these stockpiles of all this gear, but they've never used it. Some of it's still in the package. They feel like they need it because some forum somewhere said that you had to have this armament or this equipment or these types of things. So they've stockpiled all that gear. And it's still in the package. They feel like they're prepped now and everything's fine. They don't know how to use it. They don't even know what most of it's for. They don't know what to do with it, but you must practice with your gear. You know, and I think a good example of that is ham radio. You know, you've got someone who has at least got that tech or that general license. Oh, the ones that haven't gotten the tech or general and have bought the Baofeng $25 radio and put it in the bag in, the, in case they need it for SHTF. Oh, that's e- yeah, I see what you mean. That's even less prepared right. than an authentic ham radio uh, operator. If you've got a tech or a general license, odds are you're going to practice with that thing some. You're going to get your repeaters set up and you're going to try to make contact with it because it's quite a bit of fun. But I laugh at the ones that bought the radio, threw it in the bag, and said, oh, that's neat. Maybe they did make sure the battery was charged up, and they planned to bring it out during an SHTF, and some of them even say, well, I don't need a license during SHTF. Okay, but you're not going to talk to anybody. I well, just put it like that. How are they going to find a frequency? How are they going to program for a repeater? How are they going to do, uh, you know, uh, the... Make contact the, Exactly. There, there's, there's quite a bit of prep just on ham radio, and that's in a non-emergency situation. Yeah, I mean, you've got to to figure out what you're doing and practice with it ahead of time. So not trying to step on toes here, but if you've put one of those radios in a bag and plan to drag it out when the SHTF, then you need to pull that thing out and go find a place to get a license, get somebody to help you get that thing programmed up. 
and make some contacts and begin to practice because, trust me, if you just bought it, threw it in the bag, said, I'll figure it out when I have to, you're not going to find anyone to talk with. Here's a question. How long can you feed your family with the food and water you have in your preps right now? That's a good question. That's a question we all need to ask ourselves. And you know, there's not a right answer to that. No, but there is a right answer to this, and that is the highest priority that you have is water and food. If you don't have water and food to some degree, Mm -hmm. then how are you going to live You're not. I hear people, when I make a statement like that on a group or a forum or something, and I hear, yeah, but what about security? you got to be able to protect it. You have to be able to do this. You have to be able to do that. Okay, I'll give you that, but the highest priority is food and water. What are you protecting? Other firearms? Right. If you've got 20 guns and 20,000 rounds of ammo, they don't go down very well when you're starving to death or when you're thirsty. Mm -hmm. Or if someone that depends on you, a child or an elderly person uh, or a neighbor, you know, you you can't eat tarps. You can't eat bug out bags. And And you certainly can't drink them. No. No. A machete's good to have, but it doesn't chew very well. Back to expectations. What do you expect of your gear? Do you have quality gear? Here's the rule. You need to buy the very best quality you can afford in any gear that you do purchase. Yeah, and don't overdo it. We're talking balance. Don't go out and blow the budget on a piece of gear that somebody says you need to have and learn to use your gear. But if you buy the best that you can afford, it will serve you better than buying the cheap stuff. It will. I learned a rule not too long ago, and that is buy less things but pay more for them, and that way you do have that better. A good example is I'm wearing a belt right now from the belt man, and I've been wearing this belt probably 12 years, something like that. And it's honestly, it's got its scratches and things. I mean, it's been well used. I wear it almost every day. And I paid more. I think I paid about $80. It's a gun belt belt from the belt man. And I had a friend that we we were kind of close. And he bought a new box store belt about every seven or eight months. And he was paying about 10 bucks for them. And so every seven or eight months, he was having to replace his $10 belt. Now, after 12 years, who do you think got the better value? Mm-hmm. Not to mention that this thing has supported sometimes some very heavy guns very comfortably. And so that's why I've always said, if you're going to carry a gun, get a real gun belt. Well, I was and, going to ask you that. This $10 belt from the big box store was not technically a gun belt. Oh, no. It was no. just a plain old man's just belt. just a plain old made cheap belt. They can't hold up. That does, gun- and, and he didn't carry a gun. And so, at least not leaving the house, he had one at home, but he wasn't putting his through the rigors that I was putting mine through, and it was lasting him seven or eight months, and it was just wearing out because it was cheap. So, sometimes the more expensive item 
is the less expensive item in the long run. Yeah, I think so. Oh. Shoes is another good example. Absolutely. And, you know, I used to be the kind of person that if a pair of shoes cost $50, I just keep looking. And I begin to realize that, like in the prepper world and the thinking of the long term, if we're in a grid down situation for the long term, I'm not going to need, be able to carry or even want 50 pairs of shoes. Maybe I'm going to want two, maybe three good sets of boots or walking shoes. And they're going to be in the 50 to 75 or more dollar. And you're going to find that, yes, like with your gun belt, I would expect that I could still be wearing them 12 years from now, 15 years from now. And I'll be thanking myself that I spent the extra money for the better quality goods, particularly Anything you know that you're going to put a lot of wear and tear on, and that would be cookware, shoes, belts, jackets, the types of things you don't want to have to replace all the time. That's where you want to put your dollars and really let them work for you. Other things you can spend less on, of course, lighters, you know, things like that. But anything that you're going to put a lot of wear and tear, you know, suck it up and buy the good stuff. Or trust your life to. Exactly. If, you're going, if your life exactly. is on the line, don't cheap out. Let's talk about our last element on our expectations topic tonight is how long can you stay safe, sane, and healthy? Well, that kind of assumes that I'm sane already, doesn't it? It does assume it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what happens when you assume stuff. Well, I heard that. You've never heard me claim to be sane, but <laughs> I do want to maintain what little bit of sanity I have during an SHTF situation. And partly that depends on the severity of the situation. Of course. There's no way we can predict what you're going to be facing any more than we can predict what we're going to be facing. So we've just got to imagine the situation. We're going to visualize now, okay? So you may find that you're going to be overrun with looters. We've seen that happen. I mean, TV news will show all the looters that come out after a riot there's looters after a storm. It's really reprehensible, too. Or the mostly friendly riots of last summer. Well, what happens is just the worst of humanity's qualities come out. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want to condemn a person, but I will condemn the things they do. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they can band together and you can have roving gangs. Mm-hmm. Some of the books that we read that are post-apocalyptic, all of them have that very same common denominator of mobs of people will group together for the security they find amongst themselves, but it's almost like it's a gang of thieves and thugs. Uh, they don't trust each other, but they they rove in mobs, 10, 20, 30, 50 strong. And you can also include that group of so-called preppers that has the 20 guns and 20,000 rounds of ammunition that say they'll just take what they want from other folks. Yes, because they've got all that firepower, but they don't have a piece of bread to eat. So what do you think is going to happen? Well, they're not going to stay safe if they come around most prepared preppers and certainly not going to stay healthy. But that is something that we need to look at. Now, we covered the sanity part a while ago. We need to do some things to say to stay sane. And some of that, you know, we will deal with isolation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even know. in a community of people, even in a mag group, a mutual assistance group, we're still going to experience some isolation. 
Well, that's a normal thing. There are many times I've heard people say, you know, I was in a crowd of people and I have never felt so alone. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, that's a normal We've thing to happen. We've all been there. We've all been there. But especially if you're single or if you're a family. Can you imagine the old pioneers headed west on the Oregon Trail? They had their whole family together, and they had other wagons with them, but how alone they must have felt at times. Well, and sadly, some of them didn't even make it along the way. They may have started out as a group of 20, and they arrived on the other side of the country a group of three, Mm -hmm. you know, because of just the hardships along the way. So they, you know, things happen. You had to deal with it. So you can have that sense of being overloaded because of the stress of the crisis, and so mental health is, if you don't think mental health is a big issue now, you haven't been paying attention, but in a large grid down or extended crisis situation, mental health is going to be an even larger problem. We need to face it. We need to accept it. We need to understand that's going to be a very normal thing to deal with mental health crisis. And one of the things that we're going to have to deal with is overload. You're talking about mentally, we're going to have to deal with mental overload. And mental health will be, as it is now, and even larger than a huge issue. You know, how long can you stay in a very high stressful situation? Not that long. You know, you may think that you can handle it, but most people, you know, if they were into a very, very severely stressful situation, just a scant few minutes can be enough to make some people snap. It can be, and that long-term, I know I was coordinating part of the disaster relief after Katrina, and after the third week, I was ready to curl up in the corner. I just, I was gone. Mm -hmm. I was done, and I've actually got some PTSD from some of the things that I've experienced, and that added to it. So we're going to be in these high-stress situations, but not only mentally, but physical overload. Even the scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. You know, Mm -hmm. your mind will dictate how your body responds, and some people's mind can make their body sick. Right, and so we need that physical endurance. We need to get in shape. We need to lose that other 10 pounds or 20 or 30 or 50. Okay, stop. (laughs) (laughs) But then you can have this emotional overload, and this fits right in with what we're talking about. You know, I've seen grown men that are hardened and go through things, and when it's over, they sit down and cry. And that's okay. That's okay. But just be prepared that we're going to have to deal with some emotional overload, especially if we are in like a tornado situation and we keep coming upon injured people, especially if we see neighbors that are in need and we can't help. So be prepared for that emotional overload, and not only with ourselves, but with our families, especially with our children. And if you're the type of prepper family that discusses your preps with your family, some do, some don't, I suggest that you do, because I think it's better to have a working knowledge of what your expectations are of them and then air out what you believe their expectations are of you and let them tell you. Because I think that knowledge and that openness is a great way to begin to fix any issues that may Mm -hmm. come up. There may be a whole mistaken notion of some people's expectations, and and it may be a mistake on your part, too. 
better to air it in a time that's not stressful so that you can make a good plan. Right. We have to manage our expectations, and they are wide and varied. We do hope that you have gotten something out of this, but if you're beginning prepping, if you're getting started, haven't been started all that long, just be aware that you need to manage the expectations of yourself, other people, your equipment, your preps, and things that are going on around you. Anything else you want to add tonight? Well, I expect to help our listeners, and I also have expectations that they'll reach out to us and let us know how we're doing. Mm -hmm. At least let us know you're there. And you know, you're talking about you being crazy. I'm a little bit crazy too, but I'm a whole lot crazy about you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you haven't done this already, go ahead and click the subscribe button so you'll never miss one of our episodes and share it with your friends and family. You can reach us on Facebook at Practical Prepping. You can email us at info at practicalprepping.info. And our website is practicalprepping.info. And as always, remember, stuff happens. Stay prepared.